I've been talking to my patients about nutrition for decades. Food as medicine has always been a huge part of my approach to health. And nutrition played a huge role in my training as a naturopathic doctor. It's integral to everything I do with my patients. Today, we are joined by Ashley Koff, a registered dietitian and a businesswoman on the frontier of nutrition. We'll be talking to her about the ways that food has such a deep connection to our well-being. We'll also be discussing our startup company, the Better Nutrition Program, and how she creates comprehensive nutrition plans for each person she works with. Thanks for joining us today on Be Healthistic. Welcome to Be Healthistic, the podcast that's more than just health and wellness information. It's here to help you explore your options across traditional and natural medicine so that you can make informed decisions for you and your family. This podcast illuminates the whole story about holistic health by providing access to the expertise of Drs. Steve and Drew Sinatra, who together have decades of integrative health experience. Be Healthistic is powered by our friends at Healthy Directions. Now, let's join our hosts. Hi, folks. If you like what you hear today and you want to listen to future conversations on all things integrative and holistic health, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com. Also, check out and subscribe to the Healthy Directions YouTube channel, which features video versions of our episodes, plus extra videos you won't want to miss. And finally, we have more with me, Dr. Drew Sinatra, my dad, Dr. Steve Sinatra, and other health experts at HealthyDirections.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Be Healthistic. Today, we have Ashley Koff on the podcast, and we're going to be talking all about nutrition, lifestyle medicine, and Ashley is um, a registered dietitian in RD, and we're going to dive into everything related to nutrition, like I said, and also learn about her new business, the Better Nutrition Program. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I love our audience to know a little bit more about the difference between a nutritionist and a registered dietitian and RD such as yourself. Sure. And, you know, growing up as a the daughter of a pediatric surgeon, I never knew the difference at all. Um, and I went on to uh, early on in my career, I was actually selling sugared cereals to America. Uh, my <laughs> client was Kellogg's and I was working in advertising. And that was the first time I met a dietitian. So I was like, oh, dietitians must do this work where, you know, at companies where they help figure out legally what somebody can say, because I never met one in the medical you know, world. Um, long story, hopefully short on that part. Uh, I went uh, after I was doing that and, and some other work, I actually, through my own health issues, uh, ended up learning about integrative medicine. And I decided I wanted to go back to um, school and really be able to share how you tune up your digestive system and how, you know, the foods that uh, help you, you know, deal with inflammation and all these other things. And at the time, really, and this, so this was about 99, 2000, uh, the only option that I could find was uh, that helped me transition was to go back to being in school at um, NYU. And I did a course that my work there was four years that transitioned me from being a non-medical practitioner into being a licensed medical practitioner. So depending on what state you're in in this country today, uh, the primary difference is we are licensed medical practitioners. Uh, we go through training uh, like a naturopath or a physician where you're learning medical training so that you could be working with patients, providing what we call medical nutrition therapy. 
probably one of the most important things to understand in that space is that we can actually, and we should be looking at your whole nutrition. So what's going in and on your body most often, that includes things like medications and really understanding and uh, helping to um, create recommendations based on the diagnosis uh, that your practitioner would have come up with, uh, you know, that look at all of those pieces. There's a lot that's changed since then. The world of, you know, there's health coaches. Um, there are states where you don't, it ha you can just call yourself a nutritionist. So you can literally say, like, I read some books. You know, maybe you read the cholesterol myth. You're like, I got to do this, you know, from a uh, help people, which is amazing. And you can do that piece. And I actually take a very open-minded approach to that. I do not think that one, um, any letters after a name are better than another. There's more than enough people that need help out there. And what we do want to understand though, is if somebody is not able to look at your total nutrition and in particular understand what's going on with your disease and what's going on with medications, then they should not be working with you um, in prescribing your overall nutrition. They may be better off to help coach you in that way, you know, based on that piece. So uh, I think there are great nutritionists out there. Some of my uh, teachers and people that I've learned from, fabulous nutritionists. Uh, and I think there are some dietitians that maybe could have their eyes open more to how to practice and, you know, some of these things to learn. But the primary difference, uh, I will just underscore, is our training mm -hmm. and the fact that we are, um, we are legally able to provide that medical nutrition therapy. And where it stands right now, we're probably one of the only uh, ones in the nutrition field that can also get some um, some insurance reimbursement, but it's not great. So I wouldn't make that a big distinguishing point. But anyway, loaded question. There you go. Yeah. No, I love it. Thanks for that response. And actually, it, it mirrors the, the naturopathic profession, too, with unlicensed states and licensed states. Mm -hmm. So I do understand the importance of, of having licensure. I think that's really important. And I really just respect the amount of um, training that you've done, because that's what you really need when you're working with someone with nutrition is you, you need to see the whole picture of the medications are on, the supplements are on, the diet they're on, and just really put all that together. So thank you. Absolutely. Dad, do you want to share anything in terms of a story from your end about how nutrition has really impacted your practice? You know, it's almost 20 years ago when I took the uh, board examination by the American College of Nutrition and I became a CNS. And I'll never forget how hard I studied for that test and all the books I read and everything else. And I can remember treating so many patients, especially with high blood pressure, Ashley. It's amazing that uh, patients would come in and say, Doc, I know you're a cardiologist. I know you're an internist, but I want to be treated naturally. I don't want to take any pharmaceutical agents. Can you treat my high blood pressure? And as fate would have it, um, I would be seeing more and more of these patients. They would be telling their friends, their family, et cetera, et cetera. And I had my greatest success. I mean, I, I would use targeted nutritional supplements like magnesium and CoQ10 in the treatment of high blood pressure and omega-3s. But when I added onions, a lot of onions, and when I added garlic, a, a lot of garlic, I had a lot of my patients have reduction in blood pressure. And it, and. And, you know, it was it was patients with blood pressures in a range of, let's say, 140 over 90, you know, mild hypertension, but just a, a nutraceutical intervention. And I'm not talking weight loss or exercise, but just simple nutraceutical interventions with garlic and onions made a difference in these patients where their blood pressures came down 10 or 15 points on the systolic and, and several points on the diastolic. So... Uh, when you research the literature, there's so many meta-analyses showing, you know, the value of using uh, nutrition 
or and especially garlic and onions in the treatment of high blood pressure. So I just wanted to, you know, share those anecdotes with you. And there are several. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Dad. And and Ashley, I I loved to hear more about your story around this this Kellogg's business as growing up. And you said you had like a, a health crisis or something where you you know you 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 changed things in your life to get your health back. Was was that it for you in terms of the nutrition piece? Yeah, I mean, uh, so the long the longer version is, uh, growing up, I wanted to be Angela Bauer from Who's the Boss. Um, I just thought she had the perfect life. Um, she was tall, skinny, and blonde, so it was like nothing that I was. And uh, at the same time, she also went to work every day, and she worked in advertising. I think probably the fact that she came home and there was like hunky Tony Danza who had like the house all under control probably had something uh, to do with it. But I just was I just was set on advertising. I love the idea that we could when you knew what somebody needed or you could tell them what they needed and then have them go purchase it. And, um, that was, you know, I was a salesperson, I was a marketing person. And so I left my, uh, world, I went to college at, at Duke. And uh, if you know anything about Duke and UNC, you know, they're massive rivals. It's kind of like OSU and Michigan. And I actually got the Duke newspaper to, um, well, I, I picked up, they had no, they didn't have any other advertising, um, opportunities available. And I said, well, what if I get bars at UNC to advertise in the Duke newspaper? And they laughed at me and they were like, it's not going to happen. So I went and did that. And I was, I mean, that's how, like, I was so passionate about advertising. But what I learned when I went and did that work with Kellogg's um, was, you know, it was actually because I was in something called strategic planning, where you try to figure out what people actually need. There were millions of dollars being dedicated to this. And then you figured out how to slot the products in. Well, I worked on a lot of global products um, and global strategies. And one of the really interesting things is even at that point in time, so we're talking 95, 96, the rest of the world was saying, oh, people want less sugar. People want more fiber. People want, you know, things that are what you would call better for you. In the U.S., it was things like, hey, we want more energy. Okay. And literally the brand strategy for Raisin Bran was we could actually legally say we delivered more energy than any other cereal because we had more sugar than any other cereal, right? So it was like, that's where we netted out. I mean, and we had the American Heart Association logo and you could put it on anything that just didn't have fat in it, right? So, I mean, like I can see your dad's face is just, I mean, it, it was craziness on that part. So I, what ended up happening for me was uh, along the lines with that, I had always as a kid had a belly and, you know, I just, as a young girl thought that, it, and everybody was like, you're healthy, no issues. So I just thought I was chubby. And then I would try to play sports. And then I really tried dieting. And when I went to college, I learned about like, you could do diets, like you don't eat, or you just only exercise, or you only have, you know, candy or any of these like crazy diets. But for me, it just netted out with me like falling flat on my face on the lacrosse field because you really can't actually play lacrosse not eating, right? You know, that kind of thing. So I couldn't ever figure out what worked for me, um, but it didn't get debilitating until in my 20s, I, uh, I was in New York City working in advertising and I had crippling panic attacks. Um, I would go, I didn't sleep at night. Uh, I woke up one day like with a knife in my hand because I was convinced somebody had, had was coming into my tiny studio apartment, you know, to, to come after me. And nobody was able to put all of this together. And I'd gone to, I came from a medical family. I'd gone to tons of different doctors. Then people told me I was crazy. So I went to therapists, you know, I'm like, all right, I, I'm going to, you know, all of these things. 
and nobody could help me figure it out. Um, so my rock bottom was I actually did a, I met someone in yoga class. Um, and at this point, by the way, I was a macrobiotic uh, yogi at 23 years old, didn't drink alcohol, um, you know, didn't really go out. I mean, and I was miserable. I like, you could do all those things and be really happy. I was miserable. And, um, one of the yogis said to, you know, my friend in there kind of crazy. And she was like, Oh, I think I can help you. I'm a healer. So I went over to her house. She pricked my finger, uh, put it under, I not kidding. I think it was a Fisher price microscope and saw my blood. And she's like, Hey, I think you have a worm and it's all throughout your digestive tract. And the only way to get rid of it is to drink 40 ounces of goat's milk for eight days. So I literally did that and I did it so perfectly. I even took goat's milk to the bar and told someone I was drinking a white Russian. Like, you know, I did it all. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get rid of this worm, you know, all of this. Right. Well, net net, I never felt better. I mean, it was amazing while I was on it. But about two or three days after doing that, um, I as soon as I went back to eating and, and by, mind you, I was eating like broccoli and soybeans and, you know, things like that. I just blew up again and my belly, you know, was huge. So I actually, what ended up happening was I was, got drunk, I was in a bar and I ended up meeting an integrative gastroenterologist um, who said, oh, has anyone ever asked if you took antibiotics? And I was like, took antibiotics, you know, as a kid, I was on them prophylactically, et cetera. So that was my like big moment where I ended up going to see this gastroenterologist who talked to me, integrative, uh, actually talked for an hour and asked about my past and, you know, found out that I had had ear infections and throat infections since infancy. I wasn't breastfed. Um, I had slow motility. And I come back to the trifecta, glutamine, probiotics, and magnesium, and they changed my life. And at this point, I was almost avoiding all foods. Um, and she said at that point, it was also a woman integrative gastroenterologist, very rare in, in 1998, et cetera. Uh, but she said, you know, it's not what you're taking in. It's that your digestive system doesn't have what it needs to run better. And it literally changed my life. Um, and when that experience happened, what I realized was I needed to apply what I was doing for Kellogg's to what I now had learned. And I remember like going into, you know, bookstores and trying to find things and there's got to be this out there. But at the time, there just this information wasn't out that way. So that's how I ended up becoming a dietitian. But unfortunately, in county hospital, you know, taking papers that were I remember at one point sitting there and somebody said to me, oh, we have the same paper. I was like, wait a minute, the same plan for somebody who's IBS with constipation and IBS with diarrhea. Like, how am I giving them the same? You know, how am I supposed to give them the same uh, information? So for me, it's always been a my career has really been looking back on what the nutrition recommendations were and saying this isn't better. We're not going to get people better this way. How do we actually like your dad was saying, it's like, hey, did you know that onions and garlic can do so much and it's delicious, which means you're actually going to do it and it's affordable and you know we can bring these things in. Um, and for me, it's also, I don't ever want anyone to drink goat's milk for seven days in a row because <laughs> it was the worst thing that I you know, ever did on that part. So, uh, you know, a lot of mea culpa with my Kellogg stuff. Um, but I also think, um, I understand how desperate we can get to feel better. And I really am challenged by, that our medical system is not delivering, making it easier, you know, for us to get these, have these um, ways to help people uh, get better um, without going through, you know, all the craziness that I went through. Let me ask you a question. It's, it sounds like you, you've been on a journey and you, you went through a lot of pain and suffering. So what would you offer our audience as, uh, you know, simple solutions to getting them on the road better traveled in, you know, gut health, nutritional health and, 
what pearls of wisdom do you have, uh, you know, for our audience? I'm curious. Yeah, thank you. And and light bulbs have gone off so much. I mean, I keep coming back to your book, The Cholesterol Myth, on, on that part, too, which we do have to make this simple. We have to help people understand that um, the medication isn't typically the first place to go, that we there, there are things foundationally. What we have to do is assess where we currently are today. And so what my company does, it makes it helpful, easy for practitioners and their patients. I like to say it's like turning on the location settings. Um, when you take quizzes and you look at where your nutrition is today, you find out two things. One, you find out what's already better and what is working, and you do not want to change that. You don't want to compromise that, but you can find out very easily what isn't better and what we need to upgrade. And then that helps us really personalize what you're doing. So um, what I would offer to your audience is do not work with anyone if they don't know about your personal nutrition. And I also want to offer that that is not your doctor or your dietitians or the naturopath or your chiropractor's responsibility. It's your responsibility. You need to make sure that anyone that you're working with knows who you are today, what's going in and on your body. So first of all, if a practitioner does not ask about what supplements or what creams, or if they don't ask if you're adding CBD to your coffee, like they aren't the right practitioner for you. You need to have somebody who is really looking at your total nutrition. But equally, if you are doing those things and you're not sharing it with your cardiologist or you're not sharing it with your naturopath, you're also not giving them all the information that they need to be able uh, to help you on that part. So that's point one. The second point that I think is hopefully evidence from my story is You've, you have to have better digestion to literally be able to do anything. Said differently, you cannot have better health if you don't have better digestion. So every single thing, whether it's working on your cholesterol, uh, whether it's working on your hormone health, that's one area I think is so poorly done. Hormone health and skin health uh, today, which obviously are integrally linked, when your hormones shift, they throw your digestion off course. So if somebody is treating your hormones and hasn't looked into your digestion, they have not looked at what is actually going on, what is causing the challenges, what's not allowing your body to eliminate toxins, what's not allowing your body to absorb the nutrients you know, that, that you're taking in. So the place that I would tell, recommend that most people start is with a digestive assessment. And that's actually one of the fav my favorite tools that we have at the Better Nutrition Program. And remember, no matter what somebody's scope of practice is, we've mentioned health coaches, CNSs, doctors, specialists like cardiologists, naturopaths, everybody, it's within everyone's scope of practice to be doing assessment. It's then where, what recommendations you're able to make, whether you know, you're looking at supplements or you're looking at food, et cetera, that's going to be more specific um, to your, your, uh, your practice. So I wholeheartedly think the most important thing is assessment. The best analogy I can offer is you cannot use Lyft or Uber. Um, remember those things that we'll be using again, hopefully at some point, but you can't use Lyft or Uber or your own car if you don't turn on your location settings. And we have a lot of medicine and nutrition that's being practiced on social media, in books and on media that is not meeting you. It's not picking you up where you are. We're not turning on those location settings. Or you might go see someone, they might meet you exactly where you are, create a personalized recommendation, but two months from now, if you're still doing what they told you to do then, you haven't returned on your location settings. The example would be, 
if I if Uber picked me up at home and took me to the mall, it doesn't go back to pick me up at home. I turn my location settings on and it picks me up at the mall. We have to make sure at every part of our journey and our health that somebody's connecting with us where we currently are, just because that's going to be what actually helps you know create the the best um, outcomes. That's the true personalization that that we can offer today. Well, Ashley, I would love it if you can dig more deeply into the digestion assessment here and just tell, mm-hmm. tell our listeners what kinds of questions they, you may ask and also what sort of outcomes come from that. Yeah, thank you. Um, it came about because I used to, you know, my practice was in fancy Beverly Hills. And I remember this one gentleman coming in, I think at the time, I was probably in my late 20s. And so he came in, he's probably in his 60s. He was embarrassed to talk to me about poop. And I was like, so first of all, I'm the daughter of a urologist, I'm going to ask you about your urine, I'm going to ask you about smell, you know, all of these other things. And he's like, I'm not sure that it's appropriate for me to talk to you about this. And I said, well, what if we write it down on a paper? I'm just going to ask some questions. You know, so are you going number one? Does it hurt when you go number one? How often? What color is your number one? Are you going number two? Are they pellets? Are they formed? Is it sinking? Does it smell? Um, Have you noticed any changes in your breath? Have you noticed any changes in your body odor? Do you have acne on your face? Do you have acne on your butt? Do you notice you break out on your back? Are you noticing that you, after you eat, you feel actually um, more tired. If you're noticing after you eat, you feel bloated. So I asked these questions and then what I had to learn to do, this is where I'm not the expert. I had to work with somebody to, um, who then helped me create the questions in a less biased way. I won't say unbiased, but in a less like leading the witness, cause I'm just going to ask very straight out. So we asked the questions in a number of different ways. Um, we also asked things that are really important. Are you taking certain supplements? Um, are you actually using things to help you go the bathroom. So are you using caffeine? Are you using cigarettes? And using is different than enjoying. So I enjoy my espresso in the morning, but I have a bowel movement when I wake up. If I have to wake up and have my espresso or, or have my cigarette to go to the bathroom, that's using, you know, so it's, we want to get into those distinctions. Um, and then I also ask questions. Um, are you traveling? Do you sit most of the day? Are you on a scale of one to 10? Are you a 15 in terms of stress? Um, are you, you know, doing hit workouts? Have you changed your diet? And what's great about this is when I, as a practitioner, have all of these answers before I even see you, I have a roadmap about what I am thinking about. You know, if you've been on um, medications or if you've had yeast infections and sinus infections and now you have butt acne and you're feeling bloated and after you eat, you're uh, feeling more tired an hour later, I've got a whole picture of what I still may have some more questions for you, but I've got a whole picture of you um, that really helps me. The other part is, if I if have you fill this out as a patient before you come to see me, then you can also take the time to think about those things. And you're not necessarily like having to look at me while I'm saying like, hey, do you have butt acne? You know, and it's like, you're like, well, hold on a second. Like, it's weird. You know, that's awkward uh, in this space. So I think it's really important that we do that. One of the other things that it allows us to do when we do an assessment like that is then we do the assessment again. So what I'll say to my patient is six weeks from now, we're going to redo that assessment. And it helps me manage their expectations that I'm not going to have them do something that's going to change um, within one week. But in six weeks, if if I'm not noticing a 50% change in some of this stuff, we aren't where we need to be, right? The tune-up or the work that we're doing um, isn't getting where we need them to be. Or on the flip side, if they're 70 or 80% better, um, that part can be awesome. So one example of doing a digestive assessment that's really valuable 
over the years, I would have patients coming in who have spent like six and $700 on food allergy testing. And they come in in a panic because I'm sure you both have seen this, but they come in and they're avoiding like 67 different foods. And there's actually no correlation between the foods. It's not like, oh, they were all gluten or they were all, you know, dairy. It's like, oh, apples. And then, oh, you know, over here I'm avoiding celery or I'm all these other... And all the time I'll ask them, oh, are these, and they're in a panic. Oh, I've just found out I'm allergic to everything that I eat. And I was like, no, you didn't. What you found out is what you knew before. Your system is irritated. So anything you're putting into your system is going to then show us that, you're, that your system is irritated. If I do the digestive tune-up for you know 30 days and then we do that test, we might get the answer of like three or four things that are bothering you. So I think we can be more effective in medicine as well in our overall experience if we do these initial assessments and do some of the work, especially to tune up digestion, to start to see, oh, you notice your sugar cravings have changed or you notice that your sleep or your skin is, is actually improving. And we still may need uh, what I'll call an, you know, an allopathic or a traditional medical intervention, but we can be much more targeted and often even at reduced dosages and things like that with those interventions. Well, I, gosh, I have so many comments on that, <laughs> what you just said. I mean, you practice like a naturopathic doctor. I mean, this is like music to my ears right now. I'm loving this. Unfortunately, the, the system is set up where doctors have seven minutes, six minutes, five minutes on average to, to treat someone. How the heck can they actually ask these amounts of questions like what you're asking? Because the questions you're asking are so important because it's creating this, this constellation of a symptom picture happening for them. And you really put all those little pieces together. It's like you look at the stars, you can kind of get lost looking all around, but now you identify, oh, there's Orion, there's you know Cassiopeia. You begin to see um, patterns in the sky. And the same thing happens with the body with all these symptoms. But when you have such limited time as a conventional doctor in today's modern medicine world, you don't have the, you just can't, you just can't ask these questions, which is so unfortunate. Yeah, so I think there's two sides to that. I don't allow for the excuse of the seven minute. Like I, I get it, but you can have your patients fill this out beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, you can send them home with something to fill out. Uh, if you only have seven or 15 minutes with them, then you it is your responsibility to share them with another practitioner that can spend more time. Um, look, we should all be outcomes focused. I know we have to be financial. We're not doing these. Um, these aren't our hobbies. These are our businesses. So we have financial responsibilities and we need to you know, figure out a business model that works for us. But um, you should not be dispensing a medication or providing a recommendation to somebody if you do not know their total nutrition, because you will miss. Like That's the key thing. And then the other part is, as doctors, and just as collectively as practitioners, we have to understand that our real competition today is actually AI. People are going online because they're so frustrated. They're going online, I'm not gonna name names of the companies, and they're filling out quest quick quizzes, um, not like my quizzes, because mine ask about foods and supplements and lifestyle practices, um, but they're asking, answering maybe 10 questions, and then they're getting mailed a package of supplements. And those questions don't ask, they're making very generalized recommendations. Are you vegan? Well, yeah, it's great if I'm vegan, but don't make an assumption I need B12 and I need calcium. What if I'm actually getting an 
ton of calcium? What if I have sesame seeds and I'm drinking almond milk and I'm you know, getting in calcium? Maybe my magnesium is so low, that's why I can't poop and I can't sleep at night, but you're gonna send me a calcium supplement because I checked off that I'm vegan on your AI, you know, your quiz online. And so I think one of the things that we really have to understand there is this is our competition. And if we are um, first do no harm, it is actually harmful if you are not incorporating total nutrition assessment into your business and into your practice to take with individuals. So if you don't have the time, and I can totally appreciate, especially when somebody comes in or it's, it's a specialist situation, right? And you're like, okay, I'm, just, I'm here to, I'm, you know, somebody's coming to me specifically about, um, you know, their, uh, um, I can't even think of a situation where it wouldn't be just related to the nutrition, but I'm trying to come up with one quickly. But let's say they came in to me to talk about, you know, fertility and, and we're working on that piece. Then your responsibility is to say, I know a naturopath, I know a CNS, I know a dietitian, um, or what a lot of practitioners are doing today. And, and we offer these um, for practitioners to uh, purchase and, and modify for their businesses, but they're running virtual programs. So that's one of the things that I think is a really great opportunity if you don't have time in your clinic setting, you can run a program. So I do these, I do 30 day, right now I'm doing a Her Hormone Health program, um, 30 days, uh, one hour a week for four weeks. And we are going through each of these things and we're incorporating in assessment. And so individuals can go through that and they can then share that information with their practitioners. So maybe there's a part of your business model that you can adjust. Um, so I think just as I don't want, I don't allow patients to use the excuse that my doctor doesn't know about nutrition, um, they may not, and they may know very little about nutrition, but if they don't know about your nutrition, that's your responsibility, number one. And number two, if a practitioner doesn't have time with a the patient, they have to figure out who does. And that is as important as, as writing a script for you know an antidepressant or whatever they would be writing the script for. So you see me get up a little bit on my high horses there with that one, but yeah, I, I wholeheartedly believe we have to change to see better outcomes. Well, it's really a team approach. That's that's really what we need here because a, a doctor can only do so much. And and I got to tell you, I, I've had uh, I've had lunches with some doctors who preferred to go to McDonald's to eat, and I was like, no, we are not going to McDonald's to eat. But that's their understanding of food is. In their life, it's a very fast-paced life being a doctor, and, and he wanted to go to McDonald's, and that's what he's used to doing. So if, if the doctor himself or herself isn't really eating uh, high nutritional foods and really paying attention to their nutrition, how can they provide <laughs> nutrition advice to their patients? Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting too, I think it can be um, how you grew up. It can also be, um, look, we're all human. So uh, I know people who grew up with no access to, um, you know, they were food insecure as kids. And so um, they did not learn healthy eating habits. And in fact, I'm thinking of a physician uh, in that space. Um, what he understands is he is not, it's not something that he's comfortable talking about. I mean, he's done his own work for his own health needs. Um, but he brought into his office a nurse practitioner. And we also, also worked with the person at the front office um, who understands how to take our quiz in. They take our quizzes in as intake forms and share that, and we'll have that conversation. So, you know, understand your limitations um, on that piece. And by the way, I'm not a fan of McDonald's, but you can eat better at McDonald's and you can eat very poorly at McDonald's. So mm -hmm. there's always a place to start. You can pretty much stick me anywhere in the world um, because with one of the big issues we have, forget about the seven minute, we also have the person who, especially right now, 
literally cannot afford. And it's not that they're choosing, you know, I, there's a lot of judgment that gets put out there where, um, oh, somebody's choosing to buy their Starbucks or they're choosing to buy the expensive phone and they're not buying the better quality food. Um, go to communities, you know, around like in my neighborhood or go to communities where I was living in D.C., et cetera. Um, there is not access like you there. The the furthest, you know, grocery stores two miles away by bus, you know, these sorts of things. And so if you don't have access uh, to um, like right now, actually, one of my patients had just shared with me, she said, oh, you know, my grocery store is really out of a lot of the um, fresh, like the fre what she was calling the fresh fruits and vegetables. And I said, that's great. Go to the frozen section. It's so much cheaper. It's actually fresh. I don't even call the, the stuff in there. I call that the ready to eat versus what's frozen. Um, but what we ended up having a conversation about was um, how, how, how to prepare canned vegetables. Um, you've got to be able to meet somebody where they are. Right now, it's not really fair to have the dirty dozen be, you know, if you're posting about the dirty dozen, it's not really meeting a lot of people where they are right now. Like, I don't want somebody to think they shouldn't eat a vegetable because of what pesticide residues might be on that vegetable. I'd rather they ate that vegetable. And then I'll talk to them a little bit about frozen broccoli so that we make sure that the detoxification system gets a little bit of glucoraphanin coming in, you know, things like that, right, where we can help them uh, and meet them where they are. So it's complicated. Um, I think the, the key thing is none of us should be offering up excuses. We all need to be focusing on how we can be part of the solution. And there is a role for everyone, including the individual in their own success story on that part. Yeah. And, and dad, I'd love to hear, you, you know, you started up a health food store back in the 80s, correct? <laughs> Right. I mean, did, did you do that because just the food was not available where we were living in Manchester, Connecticut at the time? No, actually, the reason why I set up a health food store and a healthy food restaurant was I couldn't get a healthy I couldn't get a healthy meal for lunch in Manchester back in the 1990s. <laughs> so I opened up my own facility and uh, spent tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, doing it. So. No, Ashley, um, I mean, Drew and I are on the same page with you. Um, you know, we use nutrition in our practices. And uh, um, just, a, just a couple of comments. Um, you know, people like simplicity. Uh, like I introduced, you know, with hypertension, for example, garlic and onions was sort of a savior for a lot of my people. If, if people came in to see you, let's say with um, type 2 diabetes, I mean, what what one, two, or three pearls can you give, a, let's say, an overweight person with type 2 diabetes, other than saying and avoiding sugar? I mean, what three foods would you recommend to a type 2 diabetic to not only help lose weight, uh, but also take away the inflammatory cytokines that live in these fat cells, particularly during COVID-19, which is really crucial because, you know, losing five or 10 pounds uh, for a borderline diabetic could be uh, the basis of life and death if they catch COVID-19 or they, they get exposed to it. So I'd like your opinion on that. Uh, my favorite question, because what we're, we're seeing with a lot of people is actually the opposite, right? People are putting on weight um, during COVID. and because yeah, they're and homebound, right? Yeah, yeah. totally. So Unfortunately, I'm not going to answer it um, as simple as you would like, because I will say that if a diabetic came to see me or a pre-diabetic, I would actually assess their digestion first before I recommended a food. Um, the second thing is I would not, I don't believe in taking away sugar. I believe it's very important to set an added sugar budget, but also to explain the difference between sugar, which are, is found in carbohydrates versus what added sugar is. So what we would probably do is the added sugar assessment 
moment. And uh, what I often find out is that people actually didn't know all the different places they were getting in added sugar. So when you right. when you look at all of those places, hey, if you're taking, I had a patient the other day, actually the exact example you just gave me, and he was, his doctor had recommended six different supplements. Well, he was taking them all singularly, singular ingredients. So, you know, like a vitamin C, um, a vitamin D, et cetera. Each one was a gummy. So in each gummy had like, you know, a teaspoon of sugar associated with it, right? Independently, probably not bad. But if for if a healthy person shouldn't have more than six teaspoons of added sugar, a diabetic, we may want to go down to two, maybe two or four, you know, de depending on that piece. And then the other part is I teach them to space it out throughout the day. So the idea that you don't want to have too much at one time, I use the analogy of a race car versus a street car. We don't want to fill up our gas tank. We want to um, put enough in there to go around a couple of laps, you know, and, and pop back. The other one that I think is overly is probably the simplest thing to do. And nobody starts there is with our rainbow evaluation. It's so important that I make it free on our website to anybody that wants it. It's where I've started families with kids right now. There's so much challenge uh, that's going on right now um, with having everybody at home and access to food. But what we know is that our body actually needs all those different colors, not from Skittles, but from actual food. And when we make the choices to get those colors in and we learn about how spices or, and I've had parents say to me, oh, my child, literally, my child is awful. I was like, can they hear you right now? But my child's awful. They don't get in any vegetables. And I was like, so literally no vegetables. Well, he likes carrots. All right. He likes broccoli. I was like, so he nailed it. He's got orange and he's got, you know, green in. So yeah, but he doesn't eat kale. And I was like, I don't care. Like since when is kale better than broccoli? Like just get right. a green in. So then, you know, does he like strawberries? Okay. You can, there's a red. Oh, by the way, he likes those onions when I make them sauteed purple, you know, there you go. So we can make it so simple if we don't allow ourselves to buy into what marketing has told us, which is, you know, one, uh, you know, I remember the day that blueberries and acai went to war, like which one's better for you, which one's higher in antioxidants. Mm -hmm. You're like, are you kidding me? Like, let's just get in something purple or something blue, you know, on that part. So I think we can make it very simple. Um, but I think for going back to your very specific question about a diabetic, I would, I would not feel comfortable, um, especially with somebody who has excess weight and especially abdominal, abdominally, I would need to do a digestive assessment. And then I would want to do the added sugar um, assessment and really look at how we space it out uh, throughout the day. So I will probably also want to recommend some nutrient supplementation um, because I just find there are things that could be difficult that to get in that will have a significant impact on their blood sugar, green tea, alpha lipoic acid, chromium, which should be easier for us to get in, but just isn't, um, you know, for most people uh, looking at maybe at methylated B vitamins. So there is a role for dietary supplements, but not if you aren't addressing the food and the digestion first. Agree. So Ashley, for today's wellness wisdom, we're going through this pandemic right now, COVID-19, people aren't sleeping well. Uh, it's worse now that, you know, all this stress that we're feeling. Do you have any recommendations for nutrition and sleep? Are there certain things that you think about that people should be eating, shouldn't be eating in regards to the stress we're under today and sleep? What an amazing question. Um, first of all, it's not the majority of it is actually not the nutrition in terms of what you are eating. Um, when you are eating and how much you are eating is going to have a much larger impact. So 
I do think like the time restricted eating is helping people because it's getting them back to maybe stopping at a more normal time period or a more appropriate time period. So if you want to restrict yourself to a time period of like, hey, maybe nothing after 8 p.m., but then you also can't backload and have a ton of food between 6 and 8 p.m. It's just too much on your digestive system. So I think that's really key. The other part is we have to do a better job with stress management throughout the day or our body just isn't going to be in a position to be going to sleep. So I do stress check-ins during the day, a couple different times I have people on their phone just have a buzzer go off um, and just check in on a scale of one to 10, where's my stress? And if it's higher than a seven, I want you to stop. I want you to do some breathing. I like the four, seven, eight breath there, but just breathe, like start, you know, start there <laughs> or find a way to laugh, you know, th that piece. Um, and then I think the other part specifically as it relates to sleep is you really do have to be looking at your stimulant intake and noting that things that are stimulating to the body can be certain herbs, certain dietary supplement ingredients. So maybe you're taking your multivitamin at dinner and it's got B vitamins or other things that can keep you awake um, or be more energizing. Um, and then your caffeine intake um, and also your sugar intake. And so if you're, if you're having different difficulty falling asleep, you, it would behoove you to have those things earlier in the day, um, as opposed to later in the day. And if you have trouble staying awake, um, that's a good thing. It means you're ready to go to sleep rather than like having something, you know, late in the afternoon, that's going to keep you awake until nine o'clock. If you're tired, you should be going to bed at eight or eight 30. We are so burnt out because of the stress of what we're experiencing uh, from this pandemic. And so, you know, I think when you look at nutrition, that's really important. The other one I think is probably the two most important things that you could do for sleep would be one, fast from the news, especially after the afternoon, like afternoon, like if you want to learn all about what happened in the world, do it in the morning and then wake up the next morning and do it again. And the other one is get outside. You've got to have, you've got to have exposure. Even if there's no sunshine, we've had crazy rains here, get outside and let nature give you a little bit of a connection because we weren't meant to be in these homes with all of this, um, I don't even know what the right lights and colors and things like that are, but what, everything that technology is, is doing to us, we really are meant to be outside uh, on that piece. Yeah. You couldn't have said it better. That was, that was great. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on our show today. I love it. And it's, it is such a pleasure. I have been a fan of your dad's for forever. Um, in fact, a lot of the work from the cholesterol myth is, um, included, uh, by way of, uh, Johnny Bowden, um, helping me with our, uh, meant with our, um, cholesterol and heart health evaluation. And I just see, I mean, you have changed so many lives, sir. It's like just such a privilege. And I am so pleased to be able to meet you and, and to know, you know, you're a naturopath and just to see, um, everything that you guys are doing. So I'm really grateful grateful for this show and, and for the opportunity to connect with you both. Oh, thanks so much, Ashley. That was, that was, that was sweet. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. That's our show for today, folks. If you have a question or an idea for a show topic, please send us an email or share a post with us on Facebook. And remember, if you like what you heard today and you want to be an active member of the Be Healthistic community, subscribe to our podcast at BeHealthisticPodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your favorites. You can also find more great content and information from us and the Healthy Directions team at HealthyDirections.com. I'm Dr. Drew Sinatra. And I'm Dr. Steve Sinatra. And this is Be Healthistic. 
Thanks for listening to Be Healthistic with Drs. Drew and Steve Sinatra, powered by our friends at Healthy Directions. See you next time.